0: Well, before I um, yeah, start, I like to start with prayer. So you like to pray with me. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for today. I pray for the message that I'm going to deliver today, that it can come from you and speak life to those who have open hearts to hear what you are wanting to tell them. In your name, amen. Now, today I'm going to be talking about Esther, who was queen over 127 provinces and was placed there for a reason. Now, the book of Esther has 10 chapters. I'm not going to go into each chapter very long, but give just a brief overview of each chapter. And then I'm going to focus on the things that I would like to focus on. Now, it might not be where you would have focused if you were reading Esther or speaking about Esther, but that's where I encourage you to read this book yourself. It's also a good practice to read passages or books before someone comes up and speaks, and read it again afterwards to see what new insights that you might get from the Bible and what God is wanting to tell you. just have to ask the question, do we want to listen to what he has to say to us? Now, the book of Esther is in the Old Testament and like most Old Testament Testament, um, stories, it's so removed from today and there are some bits that are a bit cringeworthy sometimes. But it also has beautiful parts and things that we can learn from. Esther is the name of the book, but also there's another main character, Mordecai, Esther's cousin. I would like to acknowledge that both Mordecai and Esther, by working together as a team, they're able to save their people. It wasn't one over the other, but them as a team. Now let me just go quickly, chapter by chapter, just to give you a brief overview of what Esther's about. would like to start with chapter one. It's all about King Xerxes. And he reigns from India to Kush, and he has a vast kingdom. And he shows off his kingdom in his third year of his reign. He spent six months showing everyone how great his kingdom is and all the wonderful things he has. And he finishes with a whole week banquet where you can eat or drink whatever you want. And during this banquet, he summons his queen at the time, and she disrespects him. So he gets rid of that queen. Chapter 2, we find that he wants another queen. So this is where we hear about Esther. Esther comes in and she is a cousin of Mordecai, who's one of the Jews exiled in Zusa, after the king Nebuchadnezz- Nebuchadnezzar exiled all the Jews. Esther was raised by Mordecai because both her parents were dead. Now Esther was a beautiful young woman and one of many who got to be picked to go to the palace to have a beauty treatment for one year. I don't know about you, but I would like to have been picked for that. A whole year of just beauty treatment. Thank you. (laughs) Now Esther and all the other young women, they were looked after by one of the king's eunuchs, Haggai. Esther listened to him and she pleased him, and so he looked after her. Because Esther was in the palace, her cousin Mordecai would sit at the city gates just watching over her and making sure everything was all right. While he was at the gates one day, he heard about a a plot to assassinate the king. So he was able to pass that message on to Esther, who Esther was able to give that message to the king. So the king was saved by Mordecai. Esther listened to her cousin while she was growing up. She listened to Haggai, who was looking after her at the time. So when it came to time for her to go to the king, she found favor by the king and became queen. Esther had great beauty, that's how she got picked to come to the palace, but she also had great wisdom. Chapter 3, this is where the character of Haman comes in. He is honoured by the king above all other nobles, and so all the nobles bow down and give him honour and praise, all but Mordecai. And this makes Haman angry, and it's found out that the reason why he wouldn't bow down is because he was a Jew. So Haman plotted to kill not only Mordecai, but all the Jews. He's taking revenge to a whole new level here. When have we had someone made us angry, and we've taken things to a level beyond what is needed? When do we go beyond what is necessary? Now Haman went to the king and advised his plan. He asked for a new decree to go out to all the kingdoms that they owned, every t- tongue and language. And the king agreed. And this decree was on a certain day in the future that all the Jews were able to be slaughtered, that they were going to be killed and it, they could do nothing about it. And the king at the time thought, why not? You can do what you want. And so he sent out and sealed these letters. Now, when the king seals a letter, it is law. And there's nothing that you can do about it. So this went out. Chapter 4 is where Mordecai hears about this plot. That on a certain day in the future, all the Jews are going to be killed. He puts on sackcloth and he mourns. So do all the Jews. They mourn from hearing about this letter. That they're all going to be killed. Esther doesn't know about this. All she sees is her cousin at the city gates in sackcloth. And is a bit, what's going on? So she sends clothes through her servants and asks Mordecai, why are you mourning? What's going on? And Mordecai says, haven't you heard that on a certain day, we are all going to be killed? And he asks for Esther to go to the king and stop this. Esther replies, I cannot go to the king. Because at those times, you cannot go to the king unless you are summoned. And if you did go to the king without being summoned, you could be killed yourself. Mordecai then replies to Esther that she has to. She will not escape death if she does not stop this. And reminds her that she is there for a reason. So she asks Mordecai to fast for three days and all the other Jews, Her and her servants fast. And on the third day, she will go to the king. That's where we get to chapter 5. Esther goes to the palace to see the king the king looks over to her and is very pleased with her and says Esther come in I will give you up to half my kingdom whatever you want just let me know all Esther asks for is that the king and Haman come to a banquet that she has prepared so the three of them go to a banquet and once again the king offers Esther what do you want after half my kingdom I will give you. Once again, or she asks for the next day for Haman and the king to come to a banquet that she has prepared. So Haman goes away that night in high spirits. He has been to a banquet with just the king and queen and he's been invited to go to the banquet again tomorrow. So on his way home in his high spirits, he sees Mordecai and once again notices that he will not bow down and give him honor. Especially honor he thinks he deserves so he's very angry. He has his wife and his friends come over. He tells them about his great wealth and all the great things that have happened, life being summoned to this banquet and that he was go tomorrow. But he also mourns and is angry about Mordecai. I wonder, he has everything in the world but he chooses to focus on what's bad. How many times do we look at what we're missing Or what makes us upset instead of what we have? Hammond's wife notices that that he's upset and gives him a suggestion. Why don't we put up a pole and kill Mordecai now? Not wait for this certain day to come, but have him killed. Hammond likes this idea and they set up a pole for him to be killed. But he has to go to the king first. So on his way to the king. When we get to chapter 6, that night, The king could not sleep. So he asked for records to be read out to him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I can't sleep, I usually don't get boring documents read out to me, but different times. Um, So he hears about the plot of saving his life, uh, what happened with Mordecai, and asks the servant, whatever happened to Mordecai for saving my life? The servant replies to the king that nothing was ever done. At that very moment, Haman was coming in to ask for Mordecai to be killed. But before that, the king asked Haman, "What should I do to the person I want to honor above others?" Haman, once again in his pride, thought, "Who else would the king want to honor but me?" So gave a very generous answer of what he should do. The king replied, "Go do what you suggested to Mordecai." So on that day, Hamad had to glorify his enemy and give him honor amongst everyone in that town. When he got home that day, of course, he was even madder and complained to his wife. But before anything was able to happen, he was summoned to the banquet with him and the queen and the king. Chapter 7, we're at the banquet. Once again, the king offers for a third time. Queen Esther, what do you want? After half my kingdom, I will give you. The queen stops and all she does is plead for her life and for the life of her people. The king is shocked and doesn't know what's going on. He says, Esther, who is wanting your life? She was able to say, Hammond, here at the banquet is wanting my life. And through a few circumstances it was found out the servants was able to tell the king that Mor that sorry, Haman had a pole already set up to kill Mordecai, and the king chose for Hammond to be killed where he was choosing where he was wanting his enemy to be killed. Chapter eight Mordecai and Esther were given Hammond's estate, since he's now dead, and Esther pleads with the king once again for her people to be able to defend themselves. Because you cannot change a law, they came up with a new law. So a new decree was sent out to all the different provinces. provinces, Sorry, getting a bit tongue tied here. That on this day, the Jews are able to defend themselves for anyone who is wanting to attack. The Jews celebrated this time and they were glad. And many became Jews because they feared them. In chapter 6, we hear about this day where those who came to attack the Jews were then defeated and the Jews overpowered them and they were more powerful. And chapter 10 is just wrapping up the whole story and giving Mordecai a bit of glory and celebrating this certain day where the Jews were saved. So that's just a brief overview of Esther. And just a few descriptions of each chapter. Now, I would like to go into stuff that stood out to me and then. Things that God has been showing me in the last couple of weeks, and I hope that there will be something for you that you can take out of today. First, Esther used her wisdom, she listened to others, she was patient when asking for what she wanted. Are we listening to those around us and taking advice from others? When we want to change something, Or fight for something we see is right or urgent? Do we just go in headstrong and think, this is right, I'm going to do it? Or do we go to God first and patiently wait for the right timing? And ask God, is this where you want me to be? Now God isn't mentioned in all of Esther. We find out that Mordecai chooses not to bow down to Haman because he's a Jew. This part reminds me a bit about Daniel when he didn't bow down. Many assume it's because of his faith in God, even though God isn't mentioned at all. That is the reason why he doesn't bow down. Esther fasts, and she gets her servants and others to fast as well. Once again, in the rest of the Bible, fasting is usually associated with prayer. So I would like to think that maybe Esther, before going to the king, to try and save her people, she went in prayer and got others to pray for her as well. When we have anything big or small in our lives that we had to face, do we go to God in prayer beforehand? Now I like to pick up this verse in chapter 4, verse 14. It's a pretty famous verse and you might know it. For if you remain silent, at a time, and, uh, sorry, I'll start again. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance from the Jews will rise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. Mordecai is not saying Esther is the answer. He believes God will save his people. And has a way. It could be through Esther if she chooses to stand up for her people. But if not Esther, Mordecai believes God will still deliver them. He has faith. What is our faith like? Do we get discouraged when God doesn't answer prayers the way we expected them to be answered? Or do we trust that God will deliver us somehow? And it might be through us. And where we are in our stage of our life. I believe that God wants to use us. And he has a great plan for every one of you. We just have to ask the question, do we want to be used? In Mordecai's second half of his speech, he says this, Who knows, but you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. Now this statement has meant a lot to me. In the last couple of weeks, now I'm not in a royal position and most people in the world are not going to be in a royal position or even powerful one, but this verse can still speak life and it has been encouraging myself. As I told you earlier, I'm the manager of Victoria in Sports Sea, Australia. Now I didn't get this role because of my great looks like Esther or did I? No, I actually have a real heart for sports chaplaincy. And I can see that God has led me to where I am today. I can see his hand through the last couple of years and even more strongly the last couple of months to where I am now. I wake up some morning still scared like Esther was, that I can't do this big task ahead of me. But then I get a sense from God that he has placed me here for a reason. ...for a time like this. When I'm scared and feel overwhelmed, God has been reminding me and making it clear that I am here right now for a reason. He has led me here. He has opened doors and on the right person for the right time. Now I want to ask you out there, where has God placed you? Have you been placed in your neighborhood, in your retirement village at your workplace, at your child's school or kindergarten, at your social gatherings for a time like this? Maybe ask this question during the week. Why has God placed me here? When we stop and ponder why we are at the places we are, Maybe we can see what God is doing around us. I've been placed where I am right now. And in the past, it hasn't always been so clear for me. For many years, I was a stay-at-home mother and I loved it. But I didn't appreciate or acknowledge all the good that I can do by being a stay-at-home mother until I went to work for a year. Now, I went to work and my husband stayed home for one year. I was lucky that my work was still flexible, that I was able to still help out in playgroups and being in a women's Bible study. But it wasn't until I went to work that I really appreciated what I could do by being a stay-at-home mother. So the next year, me and my husband swapped again. But I was more purposeful with my time that I could give to others by not working because time is a very precious thing. If we have time to give, realized that God might have a purpose for that. I was then a stay-at-home mother as well as a student doing a Bachelor of Theology. And I know that is where God had placed me at that time until this year where I moved to my two new roles, my role at my church and the role at Sports Chaplaincy Australia. I love it, but I also grieve the time that I no longer can give to others. But I feel comfortable that God has led me to where I am. Even the other day when I was at work and where a colleague said, you are here for a reason, for a time like this. I thought that must have been a God moment because I had been reading Esther and feeling very strongly that God had placed me where I am at this time. Now I have stopped and written a sermon, even read and I more listen to the Bible than read it, um, Esther over 20 times. So I've been given this real strong sense that I'm meant to be where I am, where I'm meant to be. But I would like you guys to stop sometime this week and reflect, what has God been doing in your life lately? Where are you placed in the world? Are we in the right place at the right time to hear and stop something bad from happening? Are we meant to mourn for others and what's happening in the world? Are we meant to wait patiently for God's timing before going to do what we think is right? Are we meant to stand up for others even if it costs us something? Are we at a time to celebrate what God has been doing in our lives or the lives of others? I would like just before we close to ask the question, or say this statement, sorry. Who knows that you have come a position for such a time as this.